Hey guys, how are you? Welcome to your next stop with Juliet Hahn. I am pumped. This is not a clubhouse. If you guys have been listening to your next stop, you know, a lot of my guests are from clubhouse. This is actually LinkedIn and, um, email. We found this company and absolutely fell in love with what they're doing. And so I have for you guys, the chief product officer of women who code Joey Rosenberg. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Welcome to your next stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I am a wife, mom, virtual coach, public speaker, and crazy obsessed dog lover. I am so honored to be able to take you into the life of someone that has followed a passion. Every week, I hope you are as inspired as I am. Welcome to your next stop. So Joey, I would love for you to take my listeners because I think what you guys are doing is, is so cool. I know tech for women is not always the first thing that people think about, but all of us, and I talk about this on all my podcasts, uh, and I talk about this as I public speak and do shows and stuff like that. We all have a gift and we all have something that we're meant for. And a lot of times it doesn't kind of show its head until later in life. Sometimes it happens earlier in life. So I would love for you to kind of tell the listeners how you became the chief product officer of Women Who Code. Sure. Uh, so first I should say, I think career is not a straight line. I very much subscribe to the idea that it's kind of a jungle gym. You go over here for a little while and then over here for a little while. And somehow you look, look back and say, you know what? I think that made sense um, how I got here. And so uh, I, if you had have asked me 10 years ago where I would be, um, this is not what I would have guessed, uh, but <laughs> it is an absolute honor to wake up and do this work every day. Women You Code is the world's largest community for women in tech. And I get to wake up every day and work with smart, talented people who fiercely believe that tech is better when there's a diverse set of technologists and decision makers sitting around the table. Um, so how did I get here? Well, I think there was a, a moment in my career that was a, a big pivot for me. Um, I've always been fascinated with tech. When I was a, when I was a kid, I, we had a Commodore 64 and I could spend all day sitting there kind of playing with it to make a a balloon fly across the screen or something like that. I remember that. Yeah. So, but I didn't really follow tech as a career, uh, largely because I grew up in a rural community and, um, the, the only people that I knew who used math or science in their, uh, professions were people like teachers and doctors, which are excellent profession professions, by the way. Um, I don't think the world spends without them. Uh, but for <laughs> me, I loved physics and, I didn't really have a pathway to explore that. Um, when I got to college, I declared my first major as physics and I was really excited about it, but it just kind of fell apart as an interest. There just wasn't that support there um, to even understand what does a, a pathway in, in tech look like. And so um, fast forward, I was feeling kind of lost and I had this pivotal moment in um, my early 20s where I was selected to go to India for a month and um, represent the U.S. as part of a global leadership seminar for women. And honestly, I had never been on an airplane before that moment. And so that was a critical turning point for me. Um, I went to the seminar and just met 
people from all kinds of different backgrounds, women from different countries. There were about 30 countries represented at the time. I just heard all of these great stories of people who had significant barriers in front of them and they were overcoming them and they were becoming scientists and they were becoming lawyers or leaders or all, all kind of different um, uh, career paths. And the other thing we we really focused on in that seminar was how to make a decision and then shape your life to achieve that goal. And so I came home really excited and energized. And I think everything changed after that point. So I went, I changed my major. I said, I want to do something globally focused. I started with international affairs, um, but I really kept that kind of business and math lens. So I did a concentration in business, economics, and policy. Uh, and I tried to minor in environmental education, although environmental science wasn't a big hit at the time. And so they kept canceling the classes. Um, so again, <laughs> things fall apart, right? So that's kind of, I think, the theme of uh, my jungle gym of a career is things kept falling apart. and But I kept going. And so throughout my career, um, I spent time in a lot of tech-adjacent roles. I kind of grew up professionally in the accounting space, working in the legal industry, um, I shifted gears and went into marketing where I worked for a Fortune 50 and managed a $12 billion marketing portfolio for a global logistics provider. In both of those roles, tech was a big piece of the puzzle. So in the accounting space, um, I was there when Check 21 legislation went through, which made it possible for us to do commerce electronically and do digital banking from a business perspective. And so I led that transformation for the company. Um, I consulted on a proprietary software build to try to really um, automate a lot of our processes that were heavily paper and manual. You can imagine uh, court at the time was heavily paper and manual, probably still is. Uh, but we tried to, to transition a lot of that to automated processes. And then in the marketing space, um, marketing is all about understanding data. And uh, at the time, we weren't yet talking about data science and big data yet. And so um, I fell into this marketing role where I, I really relied on data. And we had this big, scary thing called a data warehouse, which I know a lot of companies have, especially today. But at the time, we had this thing that the marketing department kind of seemed afraid of and intimidated by and didn't understand how to pull information out of in a way that was actionable. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to figure this thing out. So um, it was an Oracle-based database. So I learned SQL and I learned how to um, scrub data and, and visualize data and use data in a way that I could go and influence decision makers um, to make the business cases that I needed to make and identify the customers I needed to reach. And so I kind of became someone that a lot of my colleagues would come to and say, hey, can you show me how to get this out of the data warehouse? Fast forward again. I found myself, in addition to loving all things global business, I've always really had a passion for um, supporting women in leadership, and I've always volunteered. Um, I was a Girl Scout from a child all the way up to getting my gold award and graduating, and actually that leadership seminar that I talked about um, was for Girl Scouts and Girl Guides from around the world. And so as an adult, I spent, I've spent a lot of time giving back to that organization and developing young women as leaders. Um, who really understand how to be a global citizen and how to tap into their potential as leaders. And so that has stuck with me alongside um, all of the, the business um, and professional career I was building. And so when Women Who Code was born, it was something that 
just brought together all of these things I loved. It brought together tech, which I had seen as a um, lever to make things happen and solve problems. Um, it brought together uh, really ensuring that women had a voice and a space where they could feel like they belonged. Um, and it brought together that global nature. So it wasn't just about one city or one country. It was really about this global network. And so when Women Who Code was born, I thought, yeah, that's that's where I want to be. And so um, I was advising the founding CEO uh, as a friend. And then when they started hiring, um, I said, yes. And so I was their second full-time hire and have been with the organization since and have been just dedicating every day to, to building this space where we can um, amplify the voices of women in tech and make sure that women know, yes, you do belong in this industry. I love that. Um, so yeah. that's, yeah, that, that's the story. No, I love that story. And so I had a couple of questions, but you answered the one. So that was a Girl Scout, like a global seminar. What, what, what age were you when that happened? Um, so when I went to India, I was 23. Um, at the time, I was on the older side of that. Uh, that seminar happens every kind of three years for roughly 18 to 30 year olds. But at the time, it was 18 to 25 or so, 23. So I was 23. And a mentor told me that she thought I should apply for it. So I did. And I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea how life changing right. it would be. And I spent about a month in India in exploring Mumbai and Pune. And then and to be honest, I don't think I've stopped traveling since. Uh, so in addition to building my career up until the pandemic, I spent about 50% of the year on the road somewhere in the world uh, for my either my job or a volunteer role. And um, so that going from never having been on an airplane to being a, a, a world traveler was a pretty big, big switch. Yeah, that so because that's, that's amazing. And I love that. And, and as you said, you grew up in a rural town. So you, traveling was something that was you know brought to you. Did you stay at a college? Were you at, at close to home when you went to college? The concept of college in kind of the rural South uh, in the U.S. is really an interesting one. It was always expected that I would go to college because I was a high performer in school and things like that. Um, but th at the time, and honestly, I think still today in many places, um, it's not really designed to help students tap into their potential and understand what university could even be. And so um, when I came out of high school, uh, the short answer is I left home really young. And so I was, I was on my own um, at the time and I um, was commuting. So I was working full time and supporting myself and also going to what was then a commuter school. So um, starting at Georgia State. And then when I came back from India, I really said, look, this is what I want to do. I want to finish my degree. And I almost started over. So I transferred schools and went to a university outside of Atlanta called Kennesaw State. Again, then a commuter school, now a residential uh, college. And I really focused on finishing my degree kind of at all costs. So I designed my life around. Makes sense. Because you had said you studied physics. Um, so that's what, that's what you started to do in the community, community college. Right. And you hit, you hit on something right now. College is not meant for everyone, but in our world and the way we are as Americans, it's like what's expected, right? It's like, this is your next step. And not all mm -hmm. communities are like that. And not all learners learn in the traditional college. We're, we're dyslexic. So like I'm dyslexic. My son's dyslexic. I did happen to go to school, but it was because I was a really good athlete. So I went the athletic route and that's how, and then that's where I realized what my passion was because 
um, you know, my story, which my listeners heard, so I'm not going to tell too much of it, but I never thought of myself as creative because I was the athlete, but like science and math were really, really hard for me, really hard because of my dyslexia. And so those, when I first went to school, I went in as a um, corporate fitness major because of fitness. I was like, I could do that. And then I had to take anatomy and physiology. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. This is really bad. Um, and I was really a confident <laughs> person. I dove into things. And that's something that I do want to touch because it sounds like you're the same. You're confident in who you were. So you're like, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. And so I think that's something that I realized really quickly, you know what, I need to kind of reevaluate. And then I went into communications because that's always something that I've been really, really good at. And I started studying there. Still didn't say that I was creative, even though I was making films, I was directing them, I was writing them. I was on the radio. I learned how to do all the radio, uh, that, you know, the keyboards, everything. Um, it was pretty, pretty crazy. And then from there, I went into sales because I'm a people person. And that's, again, I drew from a strength communications people, but I went into advertising sales, which I loved. And then, you know, as my life just kind of evolved and as you said, and that's something that's so important that you said, and that's what I want my listeners to really take with them. Because a lot of times people think you have to pick your major right now. I have a son in high school and he's like, mom, they said, I need to know what I need to study. And I was like, dude, no, you don't. And don't listen to that because some people know, yes, and there's nothing wrong with those people that know, but there's also some people that are told their whole life, this is what you're going to do because that's what their parents want them to do. And that's a very different story. And that I would never do to you. You're going to find what you are good at and what you want, but it might not be until after college if you choose to go to college. So I think it's a really important thing. And I think the world right now, you know, after the pandemic and how entrepreneurs are really finding their way, college has changed a lot. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And the reason why I asked you if you went away is because when you said you went to India, like now I want to touch on what that experience, I mean, obviously I'm going to let you kind of respond to what I said, but then I want to jump into like what that was going on an airplane for the first time and doing that in your twenties. Yeah, absolutely. So first I should say, I'm really glad that you found that creative outlet because you are clearly <laughs> very creative. And that's something I hear women talk about all the time, especially in the work that I do now, that imposter syndrome just creeps in, right? And you're, you kind of get these stories in your head. Oh, I'm not creative or I'm not smart or I can't do this. And, and those things stick with you. And it turns out we're all talented, yes. capable, smart, creative. We are who we are. Right. And so finding your right outlet or, or finding out that you like a combination of things, whatever that is, it definitely is a journey. And so I think my big blocker, uh, was I kept not passing my chemistry class, which, uh, in, in hindsight, I've never actually, um, had a college uh, chemistry course. So in, in high school, I had high enough scores that I got to skip chemistry. <laughs> turns out that was a terrible idea because when I got to college, I was like, I, I have literally no idea. Like, where do we even start? And I didn't even know right. where to look. And so that derailed me. Right. So there are always these things that come up that will derail you. And quite often it's been this story that you get in your head. Oh, I'm not good at that. Actually, that's not true. It just means you either haven't tried it in the right way or you haven't, uh, especially in the technology world, no one is instantly good at anything. You, it's, it's about working towards it and you can develop those skills. The question is, do you want to? Is it even something you like? Does it light you up? Because if it doesn't, you're not going right. to stick with it. Of course, you're not going to get good at it. But if you if you love it, if it's interesting, go for it and just stick with it and then find your right space uh, in, in that 
that field or that, that area of interest. And that's so true because, and when you said that, it's funny because I was, as I said, I was always confident, even though I school, I struggled, I was good at other things, but there was a period in my time. And I don't know where, who it was that said I wasn't creative. Like, but in my mind, being creative was being a good drawler or a good painter. Right. And those things I wasn't good at, but I didn't really want to be good at, right? I didn't put the time and energy into it, but whoever told me that it wasn't my parents, but it probably was a teacher or a student next to me being like, Oh, your, your art sucks, you know, whatever it was, but I never thought of it. And then as I've told <laughs> and my listeners know, my story is I have been a storyteller my whole life. And I always tell my kids when my kids were little, I used to tell them, these stories, they were so made up and I kick myself, but I don't, I'm not one that dwells, but I never wrote them down, but they would sit and listen. And I would make these huge, I mean, that we had characters and families and magic frogs and the boxers and they lived in the woods and these, like these elaborate stories that my kids for every day, mommy, can you tell us a story? Can you tell us a story? And we used to do that. And I still, funny enough, never said that I was creative. So then when my kids were in school, they were like, can you help us with an art project? Oh, mom's not creative. Yeah. Go, go ask dad or find someone else. And then it wasn't until my forties that I was like, am I crazy? <laughs> I'm so creative. I just created a podcast. I do social media. I like, and there's so again, right. It's the stories that we tell each other and we might not be good at them. Right. But the more we do it and then the more we realize this is the path we are meant to be on is when the world opens up. And so I, I, I love that you found that, um, as you were going, but again, I'm going to go back to what you said with, it is all a journey and we all go through different avenues. And so I think that's a really important thing, mm -hmm. especially for young listeners who think they need to figure it all out. Like you don't. Yeah. I had a writer turned engineer tell me, um, just this week that, uh, coding is oh, just storytelling using a different language. So who knows, maybe it turns out you're, <laughs> if you're a storyteller, you're an engineer and you're you know, right, right. the next zone of your career, who knows. Right. Um, and it really is about finding that. And you ask about India. So I, I will say India, I've been to India, um, several times since for, for work and for volunteering. And I should say, I think India is, uh, just an incredible place. It has some kind of, of just magic that uh, I have found in very few places around the world in through traveling. Um, we have a network in Bangalore where we uh, have a lot of women who code technologists also through my work with girl guides and girl scouts on the global level. Um, we have a world center there. So I've been really fortunate to experience a lot of, uh, of different communities there. And there's just something special about it. And it's hard, it's hard to put into words, but I think my experience was incredibly humbling. Um, it allowed me to kind of step out of my own every day, um, especially when I was 23, it allowed me to kind of step out of my own day to day and look back on my life under a microscope and kind of ask some questions of of why not, you know, why am I stuck in these spaces? I think having an experience like that when you're in your early twenties allows you to really approach your life in a really free kind of way. One thing I learned coming off of that trip, I promised myself I would never again miss out on life experience because I thought I needed to do something uh, because of an obligation. And, and I'll tell you what, what that looked like in practice. So when I was in India at 23, 
um, I had a chance if I just extended by like a week to go to Delhi and, and visit the Taj Mahal, which I really, really wanted to do and work at a children's camp for a couple of extra days, which I really wanted to do. And my, uh, travel partner had to go back and I kind of had to come back and kind of clock back into work and that kind of thing. And so I ended up coming home. Um, I also didn't have the means to do that at the time. I think I went to India with about $500 in my pocket for the month, but it turned out I found everything I needed there. And it was, it was, uh, an incredible experience, but the, the, someone there actually said to me, I'll, I'll give you like the financial means. I'll help you change your ticket. I really think you should have this experience. And I ended up saying no and, and coming home on time. And, um, I definitely learned that, uh, that opportunity, that life experience that was right there in front of me, um, that you should really just walk down the, the hallway. You should, you should go for it. You should see what it is that's calling you. And so, um, I found my whole life thinking one day I'm going to visit the Taj Mahal and it wasn't about the place. It was about that kind of symbolic, and I have now learned not to give up those life experiences because life is short, right? Life is short. If, if we didn't already know that we have learned in this last year and a half that nobody's on a guaranteed timeline and life is short and you have to go for it when those experiences are right in front of you. And so I've kind of lived my life with that, that motto. I did get back to the Taj Mahal. Um, I've, I've now been back. Yeah, I have been back and I did go to Delhi and I, and Agra and, and visit the Taj Mahal and, I will forever be grateful for everything that 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 whole experience brought me, not just in that moment, but in the lessons that I've carried with me through my life. I love that, and I have not been to India, but um, it is on uh, it is on the bucket list. My sister spent many many months. She traveled the world with her partner. And that was one of the places that she said, it's just, it's one of those places you have to definitely do. I, um, my husband and I do travel with the kids and stuff. And that is, that is one of them on the list. So thank you for sharing that. And she says the same thing. It's just something magical about it. And, uh, what I love is I, this, this podcast is actually growing in India because of a platform called Ghana, which is huge because, and, um, other spaces, there's a lot of people that will come on and ask about podcasting because it's really becoming something new in India. So I love that you stated that. So all of the people that are listening in India, we say hi. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, tech, uh, India is one of the best in the world in terms of educating women in tech. Um, At the university levels, it's about at parity, which is phenomenal. Like all countries around the world, to my knowledge, um, there are there are breaks in the pipeline where we see women exiting. And so, um, if you have listeners who are women who are engineers or thinking about tech, I would say stay with it because, um, it's a incredible career opportunity. There's a lot of flexibility, um, and you get to shape the world because technology shapes how we experience the world, which is pretty cool. I love um, that. But India is one of the best in the world. Yeah. At educating, um, women engineers and, the breakoff we see there is when women go from university to first job. And so also if any of your listeners are an engineer um, and you have made that, that jump, just know there might be someone that could use your support um, advice guidance to kind of make that jump themselves. And, and once they're, once we see engineers in, in career, they just take off. We see them doing amazing things and that that's who's in our network there. Stay tuned for a quick message from my sponsor. 
Hi, my name is Shari Hodes, and I'm the president of Aura Limited, a proud all-women-owned brand marketing and global sourcing agency. Simply put, we provide fashion-forward swag for any and all of your branding needs. Please visit us at www.auralimitedspelledout.com. I love that. Okay, so I want to. I want you to tell us a little bit more about women who code before you know we end this. This because this, this is why we have you on. But I also would love for you to tell the listeners where they can find you because, as I said, this podcast is really growing in India. It's uh, my second biggest, th- other than the United States, which is really really cool. And so I know some of them right now are listening, going, "Oh wait, yes, I want to know more." So can you share with everyone where they can find you, and then please jump into a little bit more detail. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find us at womenwhocode.com. Once you're on the website, you can find, you can join different networks. So if you are in India, for example, you can join our um, Mumbai network, you can join our Bangalore network. Um, And right now everything's digital because of the world that we are currently living in. And and so um, all of our events are online. Uh, We have about 2000 events annually, uh, in addition to um, three, about three big conferences and because it's all digital, uh, we try to hit all the different time zones. Uh, but because it's all digital, there is there are so many resources that people have access to. Um, our our whole goal is about inspiring women to excel in technology careers. And so we provide things like technical resources uh, because tech is a learning industry. Um, just like I like to live my life, uh, we are you you have to be always learning. Um, if you just started tech today, you might know just as much as the person sitting next to you if a new technology has been introduced. So it's really fascinating that you're constantly learning. So we put produce a lot of technical resources as well as our community, which honestly I think is the, the biggest value. If you don't find it at Women Who Code, I highly encourage you to find that that community. Um, and even like the one that, that you've built here with this podcast, having a community of people that can create that sense of belonging for you and whatever you're doing. Um, in tech, it's really important for women. Uh, we see women, about half of women in industry right now are thinking about leaving it. And it's because they don't have that sense of belonging and because they can't see themselves um, as leaders. They don't see a pathway modeled for them. And we're trying to change that. Um, I love that. We're trying to change all of those statistics. Um Right now, if you're an individual contributor, that first step up to leadership, you just see the representation of women disappear right at that very first step. And for women of color um, in the U.S., for Black women and Latinx women, it is an even bigger drop-off. We see a big drop for Asian women. And across the world, it's the same story. It might not be the same demographic, but the same story. You just see representation disappearing um, as you go up the leadership ladder. And so we're trying to change that um, and trying to provide resources to build the skills you need to level up and the community that can support you. Um, And we're almost all volunteer-led. We do have a paid staff team, uh, but we believe in putting engineers in positions of power and having them be there, bring their authentic voice and experience uh, into leadership. So I love being part of the community and I definitely invite um, your listeners if they're thinking about tech or if they're especially in tech and looking for that support um, to come find us. Yeah, I love that. So tell them again where they can find you, Joey. Yep. So you can find us at womenwhocode.com. Um, you can find us on all the social media platforms at, at Women Who Code, and we're happy to welcome Welcome all of you there. Great. Joey, thank you so much for taking the time because I know you're busy to share your story because it is so important. And I just love what you said. We need to give 
people resources. And right now I, this is why I started this podcast. I want to inspire women to know, guess what they can, you could do more. If you're feeling unsettled in life or stuck, there's things out there and you just need to look, you just need to pause your body and listen because we all have paths. We can learn from really anyone. And I say this with all my heart. I really believe you can learn from the janitor to the CEO because everyone has a story. And in there, there's always a message. We just, as people need to sometimes pause and listen because it will come to you. And so I just want to thank you again for taking the time to join your next stop. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Guys, you know what to do. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and give us a rating. And, uh, follow women who code. They're on all the social media and you might be sitting there going, Oh, that's not for me, but you have a niece, you have a mom, you have a sister, you have a daughter, right? You're, you're part of a school district and you're like, you know what? This is something that's important. This is something important because we do need to give resources to women that have strengths that they don't realize they have. So again, rate review, and we'll see you guys next week. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 